What is going on, guys? This is Dan from Fitness Pain Free. We got another show for you. This one is a case study, rotator cuff tendinopathy in a CrossFit athlete. Let's get rolling. Welcome to the Fitness Pain Free Show where I help physical therapists learn how to get their clients out of pain and back to training in the gym. My name is Dan Pope, and I'll be your instructor. I'm a physical therapist, coach, and fellow meathead. I love training just as much as you do and want to help you get all of your patients out of pain and back to the gym where they belong. So first and foremost, thank you so much for all of the support. You allow me to do what I love for a living. My name is Dan Pope. I'm a physical therapist. I'm a coach, personal trainer, and I am a meathead. This is the Fitness Pain-Free Show where we help coaches and physical therapists like you get your patients out of pain and back to training. If you're watching us on YouTube, please, please, please hit that like button, leave a comment, and subscribe to the channel. If you're listening via podcast, give me a positive rating and review. If you want to go that extra step and support me further, consider subscribing to Fitness Pain for Insiders. It's a comprehensive educational resource and toolkit for the fitness and rehab professional. Think Netflix, but for trainers and physical therapists. All the content is premium, and it's uploaded by me, yours truly. I've been updating this uh, once a month for the past five or so years. You've got over 100 webinars, ebooks, and complete guides. You have access to a private Facebook group to have all of your questions answered by me. You can also decide topics for upcoming podcasts, fitness pain-free shows. You can get started for just $1, right? So if you want a week-long trial, excuse me, trial, just $1. After that, it's a uh, subscription membership of $9.99 per month, so not very expensive. You can cancel anytime. So if you want to get started, head to fitnesspainfree.com, click on the programs link, and then click on Fitness Pain-Free Insiders Online Library. Okay, so this is actually an older patient of mine, all right? Um, it was a 46-year-old female, and she's a recreational CrossFitter, okay? So she's not trying to go to the CrossFit Games or regionals or anything along those things, but she does CrossFit five times per week. She really enjoys CrossFit. She has no real competitive goals, but does the occasional fun competition, okay? And this is actually pretty important because oftentimes these folks are a little bit better about modifying because their goals don't, you know, consist of being able to do high rep, you know, barbell cycling with a 225-pound barbell or something crazy like that, right? She had a gradual onset of left shoulder pain and really can't think of what started it. It just kind of started and slowly ramped up over the course of time. And this happened several months prior to evaluation, right? And, and basically, this ended up being some, some sort of irritation to a rotator cuff is what I think was going on. Uh, and for these folks, it, it just tends not to get better unless you stress it a little bit. If you stress it too much, it doesn't get better. Um, so oftentimes you'll get very frustrated. People have had shoulder pain for months, potentially years, and they tried resting. And it doesn't tend to get any better, right? That was kind of her case. Uh, she had pain on the front slash side of the shoulder. And it, just like I said previously, it kind of got better when she rested. But anytime she returned back to activity, it started to aggravate again, right? Uh, so what were the things that really bothered it? One, it hurt during the snatch and a little bit during the clean. And the position that really gave her the most um, irritation was the elbow high and outside position. So imagine I'm doing a snatch and I'm bringing the bar up close to my body. My elbows are about level with my shoulders. My hands are down towards my belly to keep the barbell nice and close. My shoulders are in a Hawkins-Kennedy position, right? So I've got um, shoulder flexion or abduction and internal rotation, and that was pretty painful. Uh, it does make sense that this hurts, obviously, from an orthopedic standpoint, uh, but you'll get patients tell you this all the time. 
The other thing that bugged her a little bit was at the bottom portion of an overhead squat or snatch. So basically, she would catch a snatch. When she would hit the bottom, she'd feel that pain in the shoulder, get out of the bottom of the hole, and then she'd feel okay again, right? The other place where she had some pain was during the backswing of a kip. And we'll talk about maybe why this is going on a little bit later. So what was kind of cool about this athlete, and we're talking a little about the psychology of the person in front of you, right? Uh, she's very willing to modify. She's not super competitive, all right? And the important distinguishment is that some folks say that they are not competitive, but they still act like an athlete every time to go to the gym. They just blow through pain, and they, they feel like they need to achieve this high level of fitness every single day at the expense of their health. That was not her, right? She's very willing to modify, and she already, already was. She was talking to the coaches there and asking for ways to modify talking about her shoulder pain, making sure she wasn't blowing through pain, which makes my job way easier because it usually means that what I say, the athlete will end up taking and, and using, right? She's very, very coachable. So if I told her to do something, she said yes, and she went for it, which is great. And then I always like to ask uh, a little bit about the individual's goals, right? So I was asking about my patient's goals, and she said she really, first and foremost, wants long-term health, right? That's the reason why she goes to CrossFit class. She wants to be healthy, right? But again, she really enjoys it. She likes the challenge of it. She wants to improve the technique of her lifts. She wants to increase her strength and really just have fun during fitness, okay? Great goals. So now we start getting into the objective um, portion of the evaluation. What do we find? So during the strength assessment or manual muscle testing, we found that she had a little bit of pain with resisted shoulder flexion or resisted abduction, and it was pretty strong, but it was painful, right? So it was reproducing the same type of symptoms that she normally feels on the front slash side of the shoulder. When I'm taking a look at her range of motion, she had limited overhead range of motion, and she had pain at end range shoulder flexion, right? So basically, when you go to the very top of the range of motion, you usually take the patient, lie them on a table, on their back, bring the arms fully overhead, give them a little bit over pressure into end range flexion, and yep, reproduce the same pain in that anterior slash lateral part of the shoulder. In terms of special tests, she had a positive Hawkins-Kennedy, positive Nears, so that internally rotated position was bugging her a bit. She also had a, quite a bit of tenderness to palpation to the posterior cuff and a little bit to the upper trapezius. Uh, for a lot of these folks, their, their shoulder is hurting, so I think they're probably just using the upper traps a little bit more. I don't think the upper trap is the problem. I actually think the shoulder is the issue, and then the upper trap tries to help out a lot. And the other part is that she had negative instability tests. Negative AC joint tests, I think largely she was probably dealing with some uh, potential rotator cuff irritation, rotator cuff tendinopathy, uh, rotator cuff related pain, whatever you want to call it. If I had to guess the tendon that was involved, I'm guessing it was probably the supraspinatus and or the infraspinatus just because pressing was especially problematic, right? At the end of the day, I don't really know, but that was my best guess based on the information that we've gotten so far. The other thing about this individual is that she was very stiff, all right? So not only was she stiff overhead into shoulder flexion, she was stiff into thoracic extension, she was stiff into hip flexion, and she was stiff into ankle dorsiflexion, right? Which kind of directly leads us to our next point. When she did an overhead squat, her torso was pitched forward greatly, right? If I'm missing mobility in my thoracic spine, in my hips, in my ankles, when I try to squat, my torso is naturally going to pitch forward quite a bit. And the reason why this is problematic, especially for her, is that having this torso angle pitched forward is going to bring the shoulders into hyperflexion to keep the barbell over the body during an overhead squat or snatch, which is probably one of the reasons why she was having pain in the bottom of a snatch, but she wasn't having trouble with, let's say, a power snatch when you catch in a quarter squat, right? 
The other thing she was doing with her snatch is she had an early arm bend. So basically when she's pulling the barbell off the floor and before she gets into triple extension where she has full extension at the ankle, the knee, the hip, have a nice shrug at the top of the motion, the arms are supposed to be nice and long, she would actually start pulling with her arms before she extended everywhere else, right? And one of the reasons why this is problematic is because it's just putting more stress on the shoulders. You're asking the shoulders to do more than they're supposed to do earlier than they're supposed to do. So this is not only a technical problem, but it's probably related to her pain, right? And lastly, looking at her kipping, she was a hyperflexor. Or basically, people, when they're on the bar and they're doing a kipping motion, preparing for a kipping pull-up, muscle-up, whatever it is, they really poke their head through a lot. They get a big stretch in the front part of the shoulder, which I think provides a little stability so they can really crank and get that chin over the bar, right, if you're doing a pull-up. Um, but that being said, she already hurts at end-range flexion. So if she is jamming the shoulder into end-range flexion with full body weight, potentially causing some issues, right? So we would address that later. All right. Um, so that was our evaluation. What do we do next? Right. So we create this plan of care and we start treatment. And here's the thing. This doesn't all happen within the first visit. This actually takes place over the course of several visits. I personally, at least for her, didn't feel like we had a good handle of everything that was going on until maybe visit three, four or five. Right. So first and foremost, it's, it's always important that you want to remove really painful movements. The way I explain this to my patients is that if you have a rock in your shoe and you walk around all day long, your foot's going to be sore. And you can take a bunch of ibuprofen and that'll maybe help with the pain, but you never take the rock out of the shoe, right? So what our job is, is to figure out the painful movements, take them out temporarily or modify them somewhat so the area can kind of heal over the course of time, right? So what did we address? For one, we had to address the snatch and the clean. And it was pretty easy to address these because they weren't super painful. They're just a little irritable, so we don't have to make big changes. My advice was just to lighten the loads a little bit. And she was fine with that. She would go in the gym, knock a little weight off the bar, and she'd work on her technique, which I think was really beneficial for her anyway. And that was enough to keep her from hurting a lot while she's doing the movement. And the next day, she wouldn't be all flared up from what she did the prior day. And the other thing we did was avoid high volume barbell cycling. And if they, if they were going to have a lot of high rep barbell cycling, uh, the easy modification or substitution would just be a kettlebell swing, right? The other thing we removed was the elbows high and outside position. Now, a lot of coaches like to hammer this from the Olympic weightlifting world. Uh, really depends on your personal coach, right? Whoever's working at your gym is coaching you. Um, basically, I told her to remove that, and I gave her a few other drills that we'll talk about later. I just thought, at least at this point, that was irritating her shoulder. And plus, the other part is that she's missing so much from a triple extension and shrug perspective that I think that trying to get the elbows high and outside is just teaching her more of the pattern that's, A, irritating, but also leading to poor performance, right? So I had her take that out temporarily. Um, the next thing we modified a little bit was overhead press and really, you know, this athlete didn't come in saying the overhead press is killing her. Right. But the other part is that she's got pain when we do resisted abduction. So I just want to make sure that we don't go crazy with overhead volume in the gym. Right. So all we did was lighten the loads a little bit and again, avoid high volume workouts. So workouts just have a, a million, let's say wall balls or push press or, you know, shoulder overhead, whatever it was, we decrease some of that and add some other sort of exercise in there. Right. Next thing I wanted to change was kipping, right? We talked about how kipping was a little bit painful in the shoulder, so we want to try to get rid of that, at least temporarily. Uh, what was kind of cool uh, for this patient is that all we had to do is modify her technique a little bit, and she was kipping pain-free. It wasn't bothering her anymore, right? And we'll talk about what I did in a little bit later, uh, excuse me, a little bit later. 
And the last piece that is really important for most patients is to modify factors in their lifestyle that's related to pain, right? So that may be sleep, putting on jackets, overhead work, whatever that is. Uh, What was really nice about her is that she was largely okay throughout the course of her daily life. Not much really bothered her shoulder, right? So I just kind of said, keep on doing what you're doing, avoid things that are really bothering you, but I'd say otherwise don't really worry about it. It's not a major, major factor in your rehab, I wouldn't say. So... What's next? Now that we kind of unloaded those irritating movements, we got to load it up, right? We got to get the area stronger, right? We, we allow exercise to be that medicine that really helps folks, okay? Now, for this patient, we had her doing her strength work three times per week, all right? That's kind of my standard amount of times per week to do training. Uh, oftentimes, I'll bump that up a little more for some patients or take it down depending on their situation. But generally speaking, three times a week is where I start, right? And where do we put this um, strength training, Uh, I try to fit this into the patient's lifestyle as much as possible. If it doesn't fit into the patient's lifestyle, it probably isn't going to get done, okay? So the best as possible, we try to fit that into whatever they need to accomplish this. And uh, for her, we just decided the best place for her to put her exercises are going to be at the end of her session. So when she finishes her 60-minute class, right, at CrossFit, she just goes and does her few exercises for the last 15 minutes, and she goes home, right? So what kind of rehab exercise do we give her? What were her physical physical therapy exercises? So I like to give some sort of press variation three times per week. Uh, the reason being is because she was a little bit painful with resisted flexion and abduction, which is, which is basically overhead pressing, right? So I want to try to get that area stronger and reduce pain. So if I'm treating a tendon issue, I want to load it, right? So the movements I chose were a landmine press, a strict dumbbell overhead press and inclined dumbbell press, right? Now, these were movements that during either the initial evaluation or one or two sessions down the line, we just try. We load them up in the gym. We see how it feels. If it feels good, minimally painful, and it feels okay the next day, then those are good exercises. If we chose a bunch of movements and the next day she was dying because it was too much, then they wouldn't be good. and We wouldn't have included those, and we changed them over the course of time. I like to have a nice hearty dose of rotator cuff and scapula strengthening, right? So we start off with things like sideline external rotation, scaption, T's and Y's. I also am a big fan of crawls, which I think are phenomenal for strengthening all the muscles around the shoulder. And usually it's low impact, doesn't bother the shoulder too much. And then we include some rowing exercises. So single arm rows, single arm pull downs. I, th- I feel like this is a huge missing proponent of most CrossFit athletes training. They don't do any single arm pulling from overhead. So I think putting some of that in there is going to be helpful for folks to have pain with things like kipping, right? And the other piece I want to make sure is that there should be some regular strict pull-up work somewhere in the program, right? It doesn't have to be given from me, but it probably should come from somewhere. If not me, then hopefully the CrossFit coach is writing the program at the gym. Okay. So what else we do? Well, we, we modify her technique. We already saw that there are some issues with her technique that I felt that were suboptimal, either from a performance perspective or leading her down this route of pain, right? So it was the first one. Uh, she's got some early arm bend in her clean and her snatch right? And think about it this way. So if I'm using a heavy load and I'm trying to bend in the arms or pull the weight up, I'm essentially doing a heavy upright row and I'm doing it with my elbows out nice and wide in an internally rotated position. That's kind of like a heavy Hawkins Kennedy row, right? The Hawkins Kennedy test is an orthopedic test to see if there's something wrong with the rotator cuff. We're trying to provoke it to irritate it, right? If you're doing a heavy, heavy Hawkins Kennedy row, there's a chance that may continue irritating the shoulder, right? 
So basically we're trying to reduce that early arm bend. And we did it through a variety of means. The first one is just through cueing. So a big thing is that I want to explain this to her and just say I want you to fully extend from the ankles and knees and the hips with a big shrug before your arms bend whatsoever. Okay, some of the cues we use during the snatch and clean were just to keep your arms long or to emphasize the shrug, excuse me, the shrug. This patient was having a hard time shrugging before they start bending the, the elbows, right? What other drills would we use? I, I utilize a slow triple extension drill, and I stole this from Mike Service, who's a great Olympic weightlifting coach. But basically, you do a snatch pull or a clean pull, and you do it really slow right? And you pause at the very top. So when you're in triple extension, you're on your toes, you have a big shrug, your arms are completely bent. That's the position I want my patient to hit before she even thinks about bending the elbows, right? The other thing that I emphasize a lot are pauses in the Olympic lifts. And this is really just a hammer or technique um, down from a performance perspective, but the drill in that position of let's triple extend you before we bend the elbows. I love pauses. I use them all the time as a coach. I think they're phenomenal, right? And lastly, we just need to get her a bit stronger, right? And that may mean practicing clean pulls, snatch pulls, trying to move heavier loads without breaking technique, right? And that's really a big part of this. So when I'm building strength, I want to make sure that my athletes are not using so much weight that they keep on reinforcing old habits, right? If the weight gets too heavy, folks have a tendency to go back to whatever technique they were using before. So yeah, they have to get more reps in, but it has to be light enough so they can do it with good technique, right? So we focus on that. We also were adjusting the kip, right? So hyperflexion of the shoulder or end range flexion of the shoulder already hurts, right? And for a lot of folks, I think when they're driving a lot of motion at the shoulder, they're trying to get a nice stretch on the capsule, maybe the pecs and the lats, all the muscles that limit overhead motion. They're trying to get a nice stretch on those structures so they can rip back through into a hollow position and then get their chin over the bar, right? Uh, now, this may work to get a few repetitions, but I think over the course of time, it probably does irritate structures in the shoulder. Partly the cuff, maybe that's a little bit of the capsule in the front. I don't know exactly what's getting irritated, but I see this a lot in folks who have shoulder pain with end range flexion, right? So basically, she's the type of athlete when she kips, she really throws her head through during that arch position to get a little extra, let's say, stretch to get her chin over the bar. So first and foremost, you already know she's got to get stronger because she's trying to rely on passive structures to get her chin over the bar, right? Which is a sign that she might be lacking strength. But the other piece is that I want to make sure she's not moving so much through the shoulder. I want to make sure she's moving more through the core and not so much through the shoulder. So my cues are to cover the ear with the shoulder, especially in the arch position. So if I'm hollow and arching on a bar, when I come through into my arch position, I want to make sure that my ear follows my shoulder and I don't have my head popping through and getting hyperflexion of the shoulder, right? Some of the cues you can try are don't let your head poke through, right? Keep your head lined up with the arm. There's all sorts of things. Use a cue that works best for your athlete, right? And the other piece is I think she was just overusing her shoulder with kipping. And what I mean by this is if you watch her perform a kip from the side, you'll notice she has a lot of motion coming from the shoulder joint itself. And when you're looking at someone do kipping for kipping muscle-ups, kipping pull-ups, you should see nice, gentle, C-shaped position of their entire body with most of the motion coming through the core, right? As opposed to all the motion being driven by the shoulder, which I think just makes it harder for the shoulder in general, okay? 
So what do we do in order to, to help her from this perspective? Well, one, first and foremost, are the cues. We're trying to get her to move actively through the core. So reaching her chest forward and then pushing the chest down and away, teaching hollow and arch positions, and then strengthening them on the floor and then trying to do those same positions hanging on the bar slowly. And then once we get those positions down, we just go a little bit faster and progress back to things like kipping pull-ups over the course of time, right? What else do we have to adjust? So we talked about the torso angle during the snatch and overhead squat being a problem. So our athlete likes to have a lot of forward torso lean. And here's the problem, right? So she has a big mobility restriction coming from her ankle and her hip. So it doesn't really matter how much cueing I give her over the course of time. She's always going to have her torso come forward unless I clear up that mobility restriction coming from the ankle and the hip, right? However, once we do clear up those mobility limitations, which takes a long time, I'm not saying this happens over the course of three to five sessions. It's more of a, a year, multiple year goal. And even then some people are just stiff and immobile and they never get to the positions you want them to. Some of the cues we utilize to try to keep her more upright during the overhead squat and your snatch are to stay vertical, right? When you squat, think about uh, squatting down as opposed to squatting back, right? As you descend into your squat, reach those knees forward, obviously keep the heels down, but reach those knees forward and try to stay upright. And the last cue that I really like for the snatch is to keep the bar over the crown of the head. So on folks that have a big forward torso lean, their head really pops forward quite a bit. And what we wanna do is try to get the bar more over the crown of the head by bringing the head back and getting more vertical, right? So really we're cueing the athlete, we're letting them know the positions we want them to get in that are going to decrease some of the stress on the shoulder, right? And like I said, for her, um, she was largely responsible for this because she doesn't have the mobility and she had to go and do a lot of ankle, hip, and thoracic spine mobility drills, right? Uh, I gave her a big program for that. I also recommended that she use Olympic weightlifting shoes, at least for now, because that's going to keep her a little more upright and probably decrease some stress on that rotator cuff. Okay. Next super important part of your plan of care or treatment is going to be communication, right? You really, really, really need to make sure that you communicate with the people that are also doing training with them, right? Um, these folks can continue hurting your patient or making them worse, right? If they don't understand what's going on, right? And if you do communicate with them and they're smart and they listen to what you have to say, then it's going to benefit the person, right? So the, the coach is not responsible for rehabilitating the patient, right? It's definitely not their job, but if they're smart about modifications, if they're smart about the coaching cues and that type of thing, they are going to help that person get better over the course of time, right? So what I like to do is reach out to the coaches. Usually it's via email. And then I attach it, what's called a Google doc, right? So I'm sure most people have heard of this before. It's basically a word document that everyone that's invited to the word document can type on, edit on, comment on whatever else it is. Right. And in this Google doc, I basically have the, what I think the diagnosis is, what we're trying to work on, what our strength exercises are. So the program's right there, the strength programs there, the mobility programs all right there. So the coach can see everything. Our technique goals, drills, and cues are all there as well, as well as the modifications in terms of exercises. This way, the coach doesn't have to think that much, right? Most coaches are working with 10 to 15 people at a time, right? They don't always have time to find the best modification for my patient, right? So if the coach knows exactly what you know, the athlete is supposed to modify to, or the athlete understands that, then it's quick, it's easy, it's continuous. And then, you know, your athlete isn't doing a movement in a workout that's irritating her further, right? Keeping her from progressing. 
And last little bit, and I think this is especially important in the shoulder for rotator cuff related pain, is that if we're not making progress over the course of time, I probably want to send this individual to a doctor probably to get some imaging to see what's going on with the rotator cuff. Now, this patient was re relatively young, right? They're in their 40s, but rotator cuff issues tend to get worse as you age, right? So 40s, 50s, 60s, it's when you see a higher incidence of rotator cuff tearing. And if you have a larger tear, right? We know they tend to progress faster. And if it tears enough, then A, you won't have a good surgical outcome or, or the outcomes are worse, or you might get to the point where you can't repair it. So that's always in the back of my mind. If someone has um, a lot of pain and things are worsening over the course of time, they're not getting better. I'm really thinking about sending to the doctor to rule out any um, full thickness cuff tears or massive tears or anything along those lines. I've seen way too many of those, right, than I'd like to in younger folks in their 40s, right, or even younger, um, that you would think they wouldn't have that, but sometimes they do. All right, so what do my future visits look a lot like? And I just want to make sure that this is clear. So my kind of evaluation and the diagnosis and all this stuff um, usually happens within the first few visits. It's hard to accomplish all this stuff within one visit, right? So usually I'm doing my subjective, uh, my objective examination. Maybe I look at a few exercises, but it's really hard to get through creating a program, trying out the exercises, looking at all the exercise in the gym with a little bit of load all over the course of one visit. So this happens usually between two and three visits out, right? And I also want to make sure that we continue treating them over the course of time. So what do these visits end up looking like? Well, for one, at least for her, we were working a lot on technique. I, I felt like that was one of the biggest things where she didn't get one-on-one -on -one attention uh, for her technique. And I had um, the specific understanding of what movement is going to be a little bit better for her shoulder at the time. So we spent a lot of time looking at technique, um, practicing things like kipping, practicing clean work, practicing the snatch and troubleshooting from that perspective. We also did some soft tissue work to the posterior rotator cuff and the upper trapezius is pretty irritated. And if we do some soft tissue stuff there, so cupping, some massage work, some uh, instrument assisted tools, that was really helpful in calming things down a little bit, provides a little bit of pain relief, right? What else do we do? <clears throat> so over the course of the time, we just want to advance that strength work because that's what's going to help us get back to training, right? The strength work is going to drive the adaptations to the tissue so they can tolerate the things we want them to. And over the course of time, the strength work gets more specific, right? So one thing that bothers uh, our patient is the snatch, right? Especially at end range shoulder flexion. So what can we do to work the rotator cuff in a way that's specific to the snatch? Well, we give her exercises like windmills, waiter's walks, all sorts of movements at end range to build some strength and stability to get her back to performing snatches well, right? And the other thing we do is we start progressing rotator cuff work more overhead. Generally speaking, if I have my elbow elevated to 90 degrees, I'm doing external rotation and internal rotation. That's a little tougher on the shoulder than having my elbow at my side, right? But that being said, most of the athletes I work with, and this athlete for sure, they need rotator cuff strength and stability during overhead motion. So eventually we have to get there, get there right? However, just be cautious because early on it might be a little too painful, all right? And the other thing is that we want to slowly progress back to the movements that used to hurt. So that's back to higher volume, Olympic weightlifting, kipping, et cetera. Um, one thing I will say is that for a lot of these folks that are a bit older, they've had this recurrent pain that's kind of off and on all the time. It's very challenging to get to go away. And when it does, it stinks when it comes back. 
I'll even, you know, talk to these guys and say, hey, do you really need to do high volume Olympic weightlifting or high volume kipping? And usually they don't. There's no real reason for them to do it, right? So I just let them know like, hey, you'd probably be better off if we just cut the volume down, maybe modify for a ring row or something along those lines. You're going to hit the majority of your goals, but you don't have that same risk of getting this area irritated again, right? So we, we counsel the patient a little bit and try to figure out their goals and then give them what we think is the best um, advice based on that so they don't keep on hurting themselves again in the future, right? I mean, it's nice when people come back in again because they're, they're painful because A, we want to see them, B, we make money off of them, but right, that's not uh, that's not what we're looking for. We're trying to keep people pain-free so they don't have to keep coming back over and over and over again, right? And that is it, guys. Thank you very much for joining me. Hopefully, this gives you a little idea of how to work with your patients that are into CrossFit and have some shoulder pain. Maybe they've got a little bit of rotator cuff irritation. Hopefully, you're getting them back in the gym and they love you for it. All right. Uh, once again, thank you so much for the support. It means a ton to me that you're listening to the podcast, watching this on YouTube, wherever you are. If you're on YouTube, please, please, please give this a thumbs up comment. Let me know what you think about the way I treat. If you have some other things you'd like to add, some things you disagree with, I'd love to hear about it. Please subscribe. And lastly, if you're listening to this in the podcast format, please consider giving me a five-star review. It helps out a ton. Thank you very much, guys, and I'll talk to you later.